0: Well, good evening dear Good evening Nice to see you all Pray the Lord bless us as we gather on this word tonight I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Matthew Just one verse, one or two verses from Matthew 16 And then one verse from Matthew 24 So, Matthew chapter 16, 1-3 Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came And testing Jesus asked that he should show them a sign from heaven and he answered and said to them when it is evening you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning it will be foul weather for the sky is red and threatening hypocrites you know how to discern the face of the sky but you cannot discern the signs of the times so there we have our little uh, Red sky in the morning, shepherds warning Red sky at night, shepherds delight That's where it comes from Matthew chapter 16, the words of Jesus and, uh, But it's the, it's the last little uh, verse or line that uh, interests us tonight, hypocrites You know how to discern the face of the sky but you cannot discern the, st- the, sad, the signs of the times And then Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3 Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, "Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming on the end of the age now we've um approached the subject of prophecy for the last uh, so sort the of third uh, Thursday together, looking at the this this well vast subject I said at the beginning that there's a quarter of the Bible is prophetic in essence and therefore um, if you did a series on prophecy you'd, you'd be around a long time or well, some of us would anyway but um, as we've been embarking on those studies we've, uh, we've seen um, the benefit of studying the, the prophetic word of God uh, how it benefits us, how it builds us up How it comforts us, how it encourages us How it keeps us faithful um, Last time we exposed the the dilemma of the critics Who claim that the scriptures have no supernatural authority at all uh, No supernatural element at all and, and we were told last week, that, uh, or they told us last week That prophecy uh, for them is a vague leap in the dark and an awful lot of fraud, you know we think that uh, Daniel masquerades as a prophecy when really it was a report, uh, and yet in the Bible it 's put down as a prophecy, I call that fraud, and nothing else, nothing short of fraud, but that 's where the critics are you know, and we saw last week that it was uh, their uh, main concern was that the prophecy in Daniel that we haven 't dealt with yet incidentally is so accurate that it cannot be true and in fact it doesn't accord with the rest of the scriptures and then we looked at some of the other prophecies that were fulfilled just as accurately as the one in Daniel so where the critics come from uh, I don't know but I wish they go back there now tonight I'd just like to comment on the one key word that is found in these two scriptures that I've read. And that's the word, signs. Signs. You know, Jesus mentioned in his uh, talk in Matthew 16, he mentioned the signs of the times. Signs. Red sky in the night, shepherds delight. Red sky in the morning, shepherds warning. Signs. Signs that show us something very important He talked about the signs of the times Which is even more important You know of course uh, The disciples in, in Matthew chapter 24 When they were listening to Jesus Talking about the signs of the times um, Used the word again Signs The sign of you were coming Or they used the word The sign of you were coming And the sign of the end Of the age Signs. And that's the word I want to use. I want to use it as a, an acrostic for tonight and next week. Now I gotta be honest and confess that I pinched this acrostic of somebody. So don't think you know what a wonderful man he is. I, I have actually lifted it. Uh, the sign, the signs acrostic from someone else. So a man by the name of Dr. Pierce to give him his. He told me I, told, I, told I gave him a fight, I mentioned his name. But Jesus says uh, in Matthew 24, He says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, these signs, you should know that it is near, even at the door. So then, what are the signs of Christ's return? What does the Bible say? You know What we're going to do tonight is look at things in general, uh, because as we go forward we we'll, we'll go into more detail in, uh, with everything that we talk about tonight. Now, S is for science. I spelled science wrong uh, Right I think S is for science And Daniel chapter 12 uh, And verse 4 says this But you Daniel Shut up the words, the words And seal the book Until the end Or the time of the end Many shall run to and fro And knowledge Shall increase I'll read it again But you Daniel shut up the words Seal the book Until the time of the end Many shall run to and fro And knowledge Shall increase Now if I was to read the first few verses Of Daniel chapter 12 You would see that this is Really talking about a time to come As far as we are concerned Let alone Daniel Daniel was looking almost 3000 years Into the future Of course we are looking At not so much time as Daniel But still it is in the future To us Things that are going to happen You know and as you examine the verse Two things become very apparent And that is the rise in travel And the rise in knowledge Travel and knowledge You know and Daniel uh, puts these two Things that are so familiar to us and yet so um, well unknown to people like Daniel he's put them together and joined them together so I would call what he's talking about a voyage of discovery you know travel travel makes the world a much smaller place you know, and therefore the sharing of knowledge becomes so much easier. Now I want you to cast your minds back to Ge- to Genesis chapter eleven. You know when God commented on the Tower of Babel. Remember when they were building this tower to make a name for themselves, uh, to thwart, I suppose, God's judgment, because this was just after the flood, and uh, this was the first time that I buildings. Uh, at the figure in the cities of men and uh, of course they were getting on with it because the whole world was of one language the world was a small place a tiny place everyone lived in the same place everyone spoke the same language and everyone had the same ideals and that is to dethrone God and to make a nonsense of His judgments and then, of course, we know that God came down and looked at the futile efforts of the men of Babel. And this is what he's this is what he said. He says, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. You see, man as one is almost invincible. Almost invincible. And therefore God did something really, really catastrophic. He made the world a bigger place. He made the world a bigger place by putting distance between Certain tribes that exist on the world Of course we know that he confused the languages And all the languages sort of uh, segregated together And they went all over the world Thus the world became a big place now Not a small place, all in one place All with one language, all with one ideal But now it's become a big place With distance between us and that was his ideal that was his plan and I'm saying tonight that the nations of the world are God's idea and any attempt to blur the divisions between the nations are not God's idea this is God's idea but now of course science has grown up and science has enabled the masses to travel did you notice in that verse many shall run to and fro yes there were certain groups of people that would travel but now everyone is able to travel and because everyone is able to travel now the sharing of information has furthered our understanding of science and so we've come to the place once again where nothing that we propose to do will be withheld from us you know of course we can see it uh, in our day and it's very relevant to our situation here in Britain the relentless desire of man to become a global society once again you see the Tower of Babel was the global society everyone was together one language, one ideal and it was to dethrone God and here we are four or five thousand years later and it has regressed into a one one um, global village once again these are acts of God of course they are not the acts of God they are the acts of wicked men and we have regressed to a pre babel society that's what's happening in our day today and it's all because of travel and it's all because of science, knowledge we are becoming more and more independent of God because of who we are and what we've achieved because travel has become possible and understanding is greater now than ever you know if we was to list some of the prophecies from Isaiah Isaiah uh, 60 and verse 8 says this: these words, this is The science of travel. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roosts? Who are these who fly like a cloud and like like doves to their roosts? What are we talking about? Well, verses 4 and 9 of Isaiah chapter 60 would tell us that these are the sons and daughters of Israel that are returning. They are returning. You know, wonder. last year, every day, 75 Jews emigrated into Israel. And they flew in like a cloud, like doves to their roosts. You see, this full-blooded migration couldn't have taken place until the advent of flight. And more particularly, of mass flight no we have the jumbo jets today and we have even bigger jets than that you know, so that the masses can take off unless you're in Thomas Cook of course that's, uh, that's another story uh, you might not uh, like this sermon if you are struggling in a, in a foreign airport at the moment but you see now jumbo jets and the like they are able to bring Jews from all over the world and fly like doves it 's a beautiful picture of actually what is taking place in our, in our world today we're seeing Jews by the thousands flying into Jerusalem. This would never happened before. this only have happened over the last couple of decades within the last days. You see this could never have happened. Until this century Or the, the end of last century And the beginning of this century in, in chapter 31 And verse 5 We're talking about Listen to what he says Like birds flying about So will the Lord of hosts Defend Jerusalem Defending he will also deliver it Passing over He will preserve it Like birds flying about now the first time that I went to Israel and with David well when he been out once with David but the first time me and him went to Israel we had a, a spiritual leader by the name of um, Ian McPherson and um, Ian, Mc, Ian McPherson was a, a knowledgeable person, a knowledgeable pastor and especially on the subject of prophecy so it was brilliant being in Jerusalem and listening to all the things that he knew about prophecy, uh, and um, we, were, we were we were sort of uh, going round the city once in a bus, and he told us about the birds flying about, and he told us he took us right back to the, the First World War, and uh, it was the time when the Turks ruled Jerusalem during the Ottoman Empire and uh, it had begun in the 13th century and it ended in the second and the first world war it lasted for 700 years these uh, Turks, Ottomans or whatever they are they ruled in Jerusalem but one day in just one day these Turks fled from the city without one shot being fired and the reason being is that Britain flew planes over the city. Now this was in 1917 or 1916, somewhere around that area. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't your normal sight. Like today, if planes flew over us in, in abundance, we wouldn't take in much, an awful lot of notice uh, because we are used to planes flying over. But can you imagine these Turks who perhaps had never seen planes before? And over the horizon comes these planes and they flew around like birds all over the city and frightened the Turks so much that they upped, they got their stuff and they left and never went back again. And and he believes, and when you think about it, uh, I believe that 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 is a direct fulfillment of this prophecy. Like birds flying about so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem defending he will also deliver passing over and he will preserve it you know and of course from that moment uh, we start to see the uh, immigration of of Jews coming from all over the world beginning to make their way back to Israel back to the place that was their spiritual homeland you know Daniel He's talking here of globalization And of extreme knowledge That's what we're looking at Science The science of flight The science of knowledge But Paul tells us something About this um, Sort of lust For such things In Timothy uh, Chapter 3 and verse 7 He says They will always be learning And never able to to come to the truth. They will always be learning, but never be able to come to the truth. You know what I suppose like never before humanity boasts of its intelligence, of its wisdom, its understanding, its science. You know when we look at what we've achieved as a as a human race, we can make and run supercomputers. You know, we can plot uh, routes to the furthest flung planets and send spaceships way out millions of miles away and find the place that they were looking for now we can even land men on the moon what an amazing human race we are what achievements we've made in this scientific age that we belong to Isn't this an amazing fulfilment of this promised prophecy that they will know more and more and they will travel more and more? But when we look at humanity, we will find that we are as baffled with life on this planet now as we have ever been in history. The problems that humanity faces today are more insurmountable than they have ever been. Because no one has has the answer. You see, peace evades us. Goodwill escapes us. Unity eludes us. Poverty is today's stigma. Loneliness is rife. Suicide is rampant. And violence is endemic. That's the land that we belong to. That's the globe that we live on. Yes, we can fly billions of miles out of space. Yes, we can see the tiniest thing in a drop of water. Yes, we can do so many things. But we can't control this body of sin. We are still unable to find the answer, the deepest answer, the pressing answer to man's problems. You know, and of course, since two fateful days, in August 1945, the world has lived in fear of the ultimate scientific achievement. And here we have it the atom bomb. This is the ultimate scientific invention. And it's in our day. It's in our day. This is where Daniel was taking us. All those thousands of years ago, was coming a time. When you will do something or make something that can destroy you. you no know, wonder uh, it's strange and yet very true that for every scientific leap that we make that enhances life on this planet, we make an even greater leap that jeopardizes it. You no know, and isn't it strange as well that the substance used is called uranium? this is the big thing you know we heard them talking of Iran enriching uranium why uranium? why uranium? and I, I gotta be honest I don't understand what I'm gonna tell you now but of course it's <laughs> it's all to do with the splitting of the atom and uh, especially uranium now it has, there's two properties in uranium is uranium 235 and uranium 238 and if you can split that as you know Dave if you can split that it makes a big bang right? and of course we have we have found out how to split this these substances and um, this is what um, a man by the name of uh, M.H. Klaproff um, thank goodness he's German and uh, see what he says a German scientist in 1789, gave this substance that they had found, the name Uranium, in honor of the recently discovered planet called Uranus. And Uranium passed into the English language shortly thereafter, being first recorded in the first and third edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica in 17. 97, Uranium now, you might think, well what on earth is he on about Uranium, but if he was a Greek scholar in this place tonight uh, you would know that the word Uranium is the Greek word that means heaven, heaven and I'm going to show you a verse in, in chapter 21 and this is what it says and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, And the stars And on the earth distress of nations With perplexity The sea and waves Roaring Men's hearts failing them From fear And the expectation of those things Which are coming upon the earth For the powers Of the heavens Or for the powers Of uranium Will be shaken. Now I don't know about you, but you could think to yourself, well, perhaps it's a coincidence. Perhaps it's a coincidence. But I get the feeling that um, the biggest fear that we have known, I have known over the last 50 years, or 60 years, is the fear of the atomic bomb. You know, I grew up uh, in the 70s, when we had Clapham Common, is it Clapham? Greenham, Greenham Common or Clapham Common? It's a different story altogether. <laughs> 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 <Oof>. <laughs> Greenham Common, when we had the women, that, the Greenham Common women that were uh, fighting against the American base because of nuclear weapons. We've had CND, uh, Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. No, we want to bomb the bomb, The bomb. we've had Greenpeace of doing all this, the bomb, uh, the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> there you are that's... what's that? Huh? Really? I had two injections today anyhow, <laughs> so uh, I am feeling better <laughs> but we got it all you know it's um, the Cold War of course came and went, we had the missile crisis in Cuba uh, way back then in the 60's and so many things and they've all revolved around this one thing: uranium, uranium. And, I, anyway, OK, perhaps it might be a coincidence. But as you will see as we go through this study tonight, there's an awful lot of coincidences. There's an awful lot of things. you know And God is, uh, is showing us some amazing things. So we have travel, we have knowledge, we have science, we have uh, nuclear. Fission, is it? Fission? Fission. F- fission. 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 Nuclear fission. And of course, we have our old friend, evolution. That's, uh, that is the, um, uh, what we are again experiencing over the last 150 or so years, that we have this drive to dethrone God. That's all it is. is a drive to dethrone God and to make him a non-entity to make his position untenable uh, and his reputation intact why do we need God if we started like that and made our way up to where we are today you know this the, the lie I would say that has undermined the authority of the scriptures turned people away from the Lord the lie that has no basis of truth or evidential foundation whatsoever man in his sin has chosen to turn his back on the truth and the obvious and positive evidence for a creator and chosen to believe anything that will satisfy his desire to dethrone that same creator Paul puts it like this for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness Because although they knew God They did not glorify him as God Nor were thankful But became filtered in their own thoughts And their foolish, foolish hearts were darkened Professing to be wise They became fools And changed the glory of the incorruptible God Into an image made like a corruptible man And birds and four-footed animals And creeping things We've done that in many moments Man's desire To dethrone God you know, last Friday morning, Richard Dawkins took to the airwaves to refilt what we had talked about you last Thursday night. And it's over. Yeah. It was as if he had come in. I he must have been behind the door but there, <laughs> behind Sandra. Listened to every word I said. Went home and wrote a book Refuted everything that I said. It was it was uncanny. I only caught the last part of it, but it was. And the thing is, he refilted everything I said last week without one shred of evidence. One shred of evidence. And at the beginning of his little talk, or in the middle of his little talk, he said that he was brought up in a Christian home, and at the at the age of fifteen he realised that Christianity had no evidence to support it so he turned to evolution or to Darwinism you know in this place a couple of years ago I quoted a, a, I read out a quote from Darwin which said the only problem with my theory is the complete lack of evidence to support it and you as a brainy manner An Oxford Don was turned away from the obvious evidence of the scriptures that scream at you from every page of society or page of creation and tell you just like Romans does that it's clearly seen and in fact I told you also that um, Richard Dawkins' own words would tell us that when he looks at creation his first reaction Is to give glory to a creator That's Richard Dawkins talking My first reaction he said To the beauty and the order of creation Is to give glory to God But I don't believe in God I'm a Darwinian So he's turned his back on the evidence And the natural things And he's gone and chosen Chosen To believe something to the contrary it's a blatant foolishness and treachery that he is involved in. You know, and the problem is, you know, it, you get, I get quite annoyed because if that's what he wants, well, go for it. But the millions of people he's taken with him is awful to contemplate. Knowing that he's said he is lying when he tells us that there's no evidence and there is evidence for what he's talking about so that's the first thing that's S S is for science the science of travel the science of knowledge the science of nuclear the science of evolution some of it is false made up some of it is very very real but never before in the history of humanity has science become so prevalent in our society tells us that we are in the last of the last days but what about I now you've already seen this I know you are I is for Israel Israel and I suppose that um, this has to be the greatest sign of all that we are in the last of the last days Israel back in their own land when Christ returns is the staple of any biblical prophecy series worth its salt now if we didn't look at the, um, the nation of Israel and what has taken place over the last uh, hundred years or so then we would miss the whole point of history No, and when we look in the scriptures there, are, and there is an abundance of references to this great event that reverses the diaspora and you know almost like a film reel you know when we look at it in forward we see the Jews being scattered over the whole world but then it's almost as if someone has turned the projector into reverse because we are seeing the exact opposite as we see the Jews returning back to their land you know and that's what we've seen as Um, people of our age we didn't see them with our own eyes being dispersed what we are seeing is them coming back because over the last century and two years they have been coming back to where they belong so our experience of Israel is the reverse of history they are coming back this is what Uh, Jeremiah says in, in chapter 13 Hear the word of the Lord, O nations And declare it in the isles afar off And say, he who scattered Israel Will gather him and keep him As a shepherd does his flock We are witnessing that There's evidence for that That is solid In our society in our time now some people would say this is the time when the the Jews came back from Babylon no that's nonsense that's absolute nonsense you know this is not some sporadic return from Babylon some people didn't even go back you know only the the Judah and Benjamin were involved in that return from the exile you see what we are seeing today is all the twelve tribes of Israel coming back to their land For the first time Israel is now one again. If you remember after David when um, Solomon sinned and all the rest of it the the nation split up into two entities there was the north which was called Israel or Ephraim and there was the south which was called Judah and Benjamin Now Judah and Benjamin they became the main um, sort of dwellers in the land of Israel from then on but now Ephraim is back now Judah is back now the whole of Israel is as one growing in the nation or the land of Palestine the promised land you see this is all about full blown uprooting of Jewish communities dedicated to the populating of the promised land you know as we go through uh, in our studies we will see that God told the likes of Isaiah, Jeremiah Ezekiel, Amos Hosea that all the twelve tribes would return to their own homeland now we're going to go to Hosea and see this promise in all its accurate detail I'd like you to turn to Hosea and I'm going to read the first chapter You it's absolutely incredible you know the story up until a couple of weeks ago, for me, was an amazing story of the faithfulness of God, uh, with the in the rejection of in the uh, uh, um, the people going away. But when I see when I, what I'm seeing now in this, this chapter is absolutely incredible. Listen to what it says: "And the word of the Lord that came to Aziah, the son of Bedebri, in the, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham." Heaz and Ezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. And I want you to notice straight away that Uzziah is placing his prophecy not in the south with Judah, not in the north with Israel or Ephraim, but both, both. And this is what he says. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went back, he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibriani, and she conceived and bore him a son. And then the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel. For in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel On the house of Jehu And bring an end To the kingdom of the house Of Israel it shall come to pass In that day that I will break the bow Of Israel In the valley of Jezreel Now that's the north That's Ephraim That's the ten tribes And she conceived again And bore a daughter And God said to him, Call a name lo ru for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by a bow, nor by sword or battle, by horses or horsemen. When she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. And God said, call his name Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured, nor numbered. And it shall come to pass, in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people There it will be said to them You are the sons of the living God The children of Judah And the children of Israel Shall be gathered together And appoint for themselves one head And they shall come up out of the land For great will be the day of Jezreel Now then The number of the children of Israel Shall be as the sand of the sea Which cannot be measured or numbered, And it shall come to pass In the place Where it was said to them You are not my people There It will be said to them You are sons Of the living God Where, did, where was it said? It was said in the land of Israel This is where God Cursed his people to uh, A lifetime Or a um, an expanse of time that they would be estranged from him it was from there he sent them away not his people not his people you know and for 2500 years they travelled the globe without a homeland where did they go from? they went from Israel and then he says in the place where I said to you You are not my people I will say to you again You are my people You see the only way that that prophecy Can be uh, fulfilled Is if Israel and Judah Return to the land of Israel You know and today They are still estranged from God But one part of that prophecy Has already been fulfilled They are there they are in the land now there's coming a time which says Paul in Romans that all of Israel will be saved that they will turn to him you know commentators would say it will be the day when he lands on the Mount of Olives and splits the thing apart and destroys the enemy of Israel they will turn and they will receive the Messiah but they have to be in the land before any of that can happen well let me tell you they're in the land They are there. They are there now and they are growing by the day. And they are taking over that land. And they are making it fruitful. And prosperous. And they are making a place. Where Christ can return. Then it goes on. Then the children of Judah. And the children of Israel. Now unless you know. That Judah and Israel are two separate entities In the nation of Israel That won't make any sense You would think well he's saying the same thing twice He's not Judah are the two tribes Benjamin and and, uh, Judah in the south Israel, Ephraim Is those ten northern tribes And God is saying Then the children of Israel And the children of Judah Will be gathered together And they will appoint for themselves One head that head will be Jesus Christ. He will be the one that they will turn to. On that great day. When all Israel will come to realize. You know And you know that it will be pierced wounds. That will t- cause them to understand. Who he is. They will see the one who is pierced. And they will mourn after him. And they will lament the fact that they have rejected him. And they will turn to him in repentance. But first of all, they have to be in the land. Now then, what time scale are we looking at when we interpret this prophecy? When is this going to happen? Well, well, Hosea tells us, and we can look in chapter 6 and verses 1 to 2 and this is what it says there come let us return to the Lord for he has torn us but he will heal us he has stricken but he will bind us up after two days he will revive us and on the third day he will raise us up that we may live in his sight now if we he were here doing evolution i would be arguing for a 24-hour day you know we you know what we did the, uh, evolution we saw that there are people who say that the days of creation were millions of years and i would say no they are 24-hour days and there is no reason to believe any other than their 24-hour days, but now we're in Hosea, and we have two days, and it is so obvious that these two days are not 24-hour days. These are prophetic days. You know, and the uh, as I t- t- said to you before, there are so many different styles of literature. In Genesis, it's narrative. In Hosea, it's prophetic so we have to look at these days as prophetic days and see what did did Peter say in the eyes of the Lord a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day and so when we look at these two um, two days that we find here then it's quite obvious that they are not normal days but they are prophetic days and we would consider them to be a thousand years so if there are two days then that's two thousand years and if you notice in the verse it says on the third day on the third day Israel will be gathered which means that it is any time during the third millennium that Israel will come back into the land 2,000 full years have gone and now we're halfway through the third millennium from these prophecies now considering that Hosea was written in 700 BC and he was writing concerning events that took place in 500 BC and I'm just using sort of general dates and I don't want us to get into the detail of it quite yet I don't want us to be bogged down in a uh, minute detail but if we consider the prophecy of Isaiah to be 700 BC and uh, what he was talking about the Babylon coming in and destroying Israel and things like that happened in 500 BC then we, you would mean that at the moment we are 2500 years away from this event 2500 years two days 2,000 years and sometime during the third day 500 years we are in the third millennia since Babylon that's where we are right now now what has happened in our lifetime I'm looking out and I think Terry is the oldest here uh, at 79 or 78, 78 so you can go back all the way to 1940 and what has happened in our lifetime or just before uh, our lifetime? Well, first of all, we're going to go back to 1917. Now in 1917, of course, which was in the middle uh, of the First World War, Britain, through the voice of Balfour, Lord Balfour, proclaimed that Israel-Palestine would become the new state of Israel Britain had a mandate they were in charge because the Turks had gone Britain were given the mandate to look after them to run the state of Palestine and uh, of course they they didn't want it really they didn't want to be there and you know the the nations got together and decided that Israel because of the persecution that they were suffering uh, should have their own homeland and they decided on Israel, on Palestine and they said that this would happen in 1917 1917 now, if you was to get a paper, a newspaper of that day on the top of the newspaper would be 1917 on the other side of the paper there would be another date 1335 and this is the Mohammedan calendar 1335. Now, Daniel uh, chapter 12 and verse 12, talking about Israel's dispersion, said these words Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1335 days, which of course is a prophetic day so we'll call it a year 1,335 days coincidence? is it a coincidence? well it is another coincidence there seems to be too many coincidences in this study that we're doing in 1917 which is 1335 the Balfour Declaration was made making way for Israel to return to their own land now 30 years before this 30 years before this which was 1880 a man by the name of Dr. Grattan Guinness from Ireland he was a theologian, he was a missionary I think he had some kind of sideline over there <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps his family did anyway uh, but this is, this is what he said he used to write um, uh, a magazine called Light for the Last Days. We're still going today is another man, another man by the name of Stuart guess, uh is writing it at this present moment. But this is what he wrote in 1880. He said that there can be no question that those who live to see the year 1917 will have reached one of the most important of these terminal years how did he know how did he know that it would be 1917 it was 30 years before how did he know because the scriptures told him because of that date there you see that date started with Mohammed and exactly in 1335 as far as Mohammed was concerned was 1917 as far as we are concerned and this man placed uh, wrote a book about the Balfour Declaration before Balfour ever thought that he would become what he became. I find that incredible coincidence yes you could say it's a coincidence but I think it's absolutely incredible and then of course we can whiz forward because you know passing 1948 for the moment Because 1948 of course was the time when the Jews actually went back to Israel and Israel became a state. I haven't got that down today because I'm more interested in 1967. Now I'm around now. I'm working on the pop in Pandey. Delivering cop pop all over South Wales. Hearing the news and realising that Israel were under attack from three fronts from Judah from uh, Jordan from Syria and from Egypt what a hope Israel had they were all in chapel it was Yom Kippur no one was doing anything they were on their greatest day of rest and and non-achievement and that's the day the enemy decided that they would break in and destroy Israel but what the enemy would do in was fulfilling prophecy because Israel, how I don't know, but I do know, they turned to Egypt to the Egyptians and they ch- chased them back to the River Nile, and they decided that they would stop; otherwise, they could have just routed Israel, uh, Egypt and annexed it. They chased the Jordanians back over the Jordan. And they chased the Syrians back over the Golanites. Three fronts of one nation, and they just looked at them and they fled. But what is more important, that week saw the Jews for the first time in history going back into Jerusalem. You and know, I got vivid uh, memories of the newsreels on the television of thousands of Jews on seeing the Wailing War rushing like if they'd if it meant their life and just touching it and for the first time for all those thousands of years 2,520 years the Jews were back home and let me tell you they'll never ever ever, ever be taken away from them again. Because if they do, God isn't God. So, keep your eye on the chairs, And if they go, we've had it. See, this is the first time for 2,520 years. Now, we, that period is called the times of the Gentiles. From the Babylon uh, um, defeat to the Wailing Wall 2520 years. You want anyway, just to finish, I'd like to take you to Leviticus. Who would have thought that Leviticus could figure in a prophetic series? But listen to what it says. Verse 24 of Job, Leviticus 26 says, Then I also will walk contrary to you. He's talking to the Jews talking to the Israelites in the the wilderness and as Teddy will tell you they were naughty they were blasphemous they were idolatrous they were immoral and God had just about enough of them and uh, he says that you are walking contrary to me so I'm going to start walking contrary to you and look what he says and I will punish you seven times seven times For your sins. And then verse 28: Then I will also walk contrary to you in fury, and I will chastise you. Uh, I forgot to put that in like this. If you look that close. (laughs) See my notes, I've got it in black. And uh, of course, you can't see it there, but I will chastise you seven times. Seven times. Now, biblical scholars more knowledgeable than myself. I've determined that this figure represents seven Jewish years and that each year represents a year. Now it's difficult to understand. The Jewish year is 360 days long. And if you multiply 360 by seven, you will get 2,500 2,000 and that's the length of time between Babylon and the Waving War coincidence? coincidence? I'm asking you, is it a coincidence? Possibly but these coincidences seem to be cropping up more and more as we go along you see, but what is clear and concise Is that Israel is back in the land after its long dispersion, and now Israel commands Jerusalem for the first time since Nebuchadnezzar? You know, they didn't even command Jerusalem in the times of Jesus. Yes, they were back in the land, but the Romans were in charge. Just before that, they were back in the land but the Greeks were in charge before that they were back in the land but the Persians were in charge before that they weren't even in the land and the Babylonians were in charge now then, for those of you that uh, know your Bibles you will uh, obviously when I say that you will begin to think of the big statue the statue with the head of gold which was Nebuchadnezzar which was the Babylonians, Babylonians the uh, the torso of silver perhaps i can't remember which are the two arms the medes and the persians then you had the the trunk of greece and then you had the legs of rome the two rooms there's two rooms is in an east and a west and there that statue was history in metal. And it was right up to the time that we are in today. And of course, we are in the Tours time. There were ten Tours. And now we are experiencing the revival of the Roman Empire. Annexed to the Greek. Annexed to the Persian. Annexed to the Babylonians. And that's the confederation that we'll fight against. Israel in the last times all the ones that have ruled Israel will get together and try and get back there but what they don't know is that there's a stone being cut out in a mountain without hands and when that stone rolls down it will destroy every man-made empire that has ever been and it will set up the kingdom of our Christ that's what we are. That's the part that we're in. That's the part that we're in. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a Brexiteer. Because I don't want that stone to roll over Britain. And that's another story. So, for the first time since Nebuchadnezzar, Israel is in the land. And we can be confident then that we're in the last of the last days. I think we can. Next time, we're going to look at not NGS, but GNS. So, what they what are they going to bring up for us to think about next week? See if you can guess what N is, what G is, and what S is. It'll be very interesting. Thank you very much.